Hey guys, it's Dean with No One Down with the Once Broken Podcast. So thanks so much for tuning in. Go ahead and smash that like button and tag your friends. Make sure we can spread the word because once broken doesn't mean still broken. And, you know, as again, I have another amazing guest with me today. And, and this whole thing is about sharing our experience of how we felt once broken and, uh, and, and what we did in order to get out of that. You know, I, I love this stuff. I love meeting people who, who speak the language of the heart. You know, circumstances may be different, but the things that brought us to these circumstances, you know, the, the internal conditions, the feelings were extremely, are all the same in, in, in majority of the aspects. So thanks so much for listening. I'm going to have our, uh, I'm going to have our guest introduce himself and we'll jump into it. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. My name is Josh Tanner. Um, I, I really like the idea of this, of this concept of, of we were broken at, at one point in our lives, but. Um, I, I think what I've learned the most over, over the past 25 years of my life is I don't have to stay that way, oh. that it, that it's my choice. You know, I, I, I really, I, I, my story is not a lot different than, than a lot of people's in and out of, in and out of institutions, uh, in and out of treatment centers, yeah. um, all of those kind of things. And, and the thing that I think that, that really drew my attention to most of that stuff was, um, I was a victim. I, I was a self-created victim. You know what I mean? I, I was the guy that it was everybody else's fault that I was in the situation that I was in. Um, I remember crashing a car one night, um, and, and it wasn't my car. It was a car that I'd borrowed from a girl. And, uh, and I was leaving the hospital, and her dad stopped and and, and stopped me in the hallway as I was leaving, and he said, I hope you grow up one of these days um, because you're a self-made victim. And, and that really kind of, it really bothered me. You know, it, it, it really kind of hit home with me. And I was really young at the time, and so I didn't really understood what, I didn't really understood what that meant. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, I felt like, oh, you're just mad because I wrecked your daughter's car. You know what I mean? And so um, the more that I got into treatment and the more that I got involved in recovery, um, the more I started to really understand what that meant. And, and people come from, um, I, I had a good childhood. Yeah. You know what I mean? I had a good life. My, my mom and, and my stepdad worked hard. Um, they did the right things for us. To, they taught us the right values. They taught us the right morals. Um, but, but when they told me no, I, I turned into that victim. Yeah. You know what I mean? Poor me. Poor me, poor me, poor me, another drink. Exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I didn't have any, you know, they didn't have a lot of money so that I could have the, the, the expensive Nikes and the expensive clothes like the other kids at my school had. And I victimized myself that way. If I only had those things, I'd be better. Right. It, it, if, if, if I had that nice car, my life would be better. If I had those expensive shoes, my life would be okay. Yeah. Um, and so as I, as so, you know, as the older that I got at, the only way that I could accumulate those things was selling drugs. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then that was the only, I wasn't going to work. I'm not forbid I do a nine to five. Right. I'm not, I'm not going to find a job and go work every day. Um, and so that was my solution. And, uh, and then I started to accumulate some of those things and they meant absolutely nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, 
it still, I still was lonely. You know what I mean? I still had that emptiness. I still had that feeling of self-pity. Um, that still, poor me, I'm a victim. The outside sources weren't going to fix the inside right, job. Right. But I wasn't ever willing to do the work for myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wasn't ever willing to reach out to somebody that, that was actually going to help me. And so uh, 2010, I entered a treatment center. And it was basically my parents' last straw. You know what I mean? They said, hey, we're going we're gonna to drop you off this place. Good luck. We're done. And uh, I had a backpack full of clothes. Um, I'd been eating Little Caesars pizzas out of a garbage can um, behind this place because I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I'd gotten so far into that addiction that um, nobody wanted anything to do with me anymore. I'd burned every bridge that I could possibly bridge. And so the only friend that I had worked at this Little Caesars pizza mm. and I would trade her little bags of weed and she would leave the leftover pizzas outside in the garbage can so I could eat. Yeah. And, uh, and I got sick. I got really, really physically sick from them because I didn't know how long they'd sat there before I'd go back to eat them, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I went home one night and I, and I told my parents, look, I, I need some help. And, and it was the first time I was ever honest with them. Um, I'd never told my parents that I was an IV drug user. Um, I'd never told them. my parents always just thought I was an alcoholic. Um, I'd never told them that, that I'd had some serious issues with pain pills and, and all of the other things that come along with that. Yeah. And so they found this treatment center in Ogden. Um, they said, get all of your things together, which was a backpack <laughs> full, full of clothes. And I had $6 yeah. um, and a pack of cigarettes. And they dropped me off and they said, good luck. And so when I got into this treatment center, I, I met this guy and he said... Um, what do you want to do here? What do you want? What do you want to accomplish here? Yeah. And I said, I, I want to build a life for myself. I, I not just a life for not drinking and, and using alcohol, but I want a career. Like I want to do something. I'm a talented right. person. I want I want to use that talent for something. And before we, we, we get any further, I wanted to touch on it. it was so funny because it's the common denominator in a lot of people's stories is when they were finally able to get honest. Right. With themselves and other people. When they were finally able to get honest, that's when healing, that's when and then real momentum in healing and recovery took place. And then that was so cool that you mentioned that. It was just when you were finally able to get honest with yourself and people about you. Yeah. You were willing to do something. Right. Um, and I and I think that was the hardest thing for me to ever do. Not really getting honest with other people, but getting honest with myself. Yeah. And and really actually admitting to myself that that I had a problem. Yeah. And that I was the problem, you know what I mean? And that, that sucked, yeah. you know what I mean? That, that wasn't a, it wasn't a comfortable place to be to finally admit that, yeah. you know, I'm, I created this. I caused this. I had every other opportunity that everybody else I knew had, and, and I chose to go this way. The self-imposed crisis. Right, and, and, and that's all it was, was, was one self-imposed tragedy after the next. Yeah. To keep that victim mentality, to keep myself... To, to, to a point where I just got to feel sorry for myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I completed that treatment center and it was the first time I had completed anything in my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was the first. I, I mean, I did graduate from, from high school, but that was just because my mother drugged me by the neck to school every day <laughs> to make sure that I was 
that I was going to get there, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, it, it really gave me a sense of accomplishment. And, it, and I was 35 years old. Um, and it, I had a son that was, that was just barely born. He was about nine months old that I hadn't had anything to do with. Yeah. And, um, and I remember sleeping at night and I kept the only picture that I had of him right next to my bed. And, and I would, I didn't believe in God. I didn't, I didn't pray. I didn't, I didn't understand the higher power thing. I didn't yeah. understand any of that. But what I did do was promise that little boy that every night I'm going to fix this and I'm going to. And, and I apologize, I get a little bit emotional about it. But, oh, you're fine. Um, I grew up with a dad that was a heroin addict. Um, and I grew, I, I, I promised myself that I wasn't going to let my son grow up that way. Yeah. And so every night before I went to bed, I told him goodnight. And, and that was my higher power. Wow. That's what started my, my belief in God, or whatever you wanted to call it, you know. And... Uh, when I graduated from that program, I finally felt like a, a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. And um, I didn't know what to do after that. You know what I mean? I didn't know where to go. So I ended up finding this job um, pouring concrete. And, and I had done, done some concrete work in the past. You know what I mean? To, to, I had some cousins that owned a concrete company that kind of had taught me some of that. But it certainly wasn't. Um, something that I wanted to do. Um, it, it was it was way too much work for me. Um, so I, I had a friend, actually a sponsor, ended up, a guy that ended up becoming my sponsor that um, that that worked for a car dealership. And uh, and as I got laid off one winter, he asked me, you know, do you wanna do you wanna come in and detail cars for me? Um, it's not it's not a lot of money, but but it's a it's a full time job through the winter time. Um, and it'll keep you going. And, and so I, I, I said yes. And, and it was weird because it was just a detail job. Yeah. You know, it was just cleaning nasty ass, disgusting old used cars up and trying to make them look good so this dealership could resell them. And I took so much pride in that job. Like I was there before anybody else got there in the morning. I was the last person to leave at night. Um, because I really wanted these people to know that I appreciated the opportunity. Um, I'm gonna. My story's a little bit different in a lot of ways because I do have a lot of felonies on my record. Oh, it's different. <laughs> it, it it is in a way because it's never hindered me. Yeah, it's never stopped me from getting a job. Cool. It's never stopped me from really um, getting an apartment or anything. And 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 I think that's because I was just willing to tell the truth right from the front. Awesome. You know what I mean? When I when I filled out my job applications and it asked that question, have you ever been convicted of a felony? I would put yes. Um, same with the applications for apartments. I would put yes. And then when I got to go in and explain myself, I would tell them, this is what I did. You know what I mean? I, I owned it. Um, I, I've moved on from that part of my life. Um, this is who I am now and you can either give me the chance or, or not if somebody else will you know what i mean and i kept at it and i kept at it and that that's turned into a a, a career where i've managed a, a a dealership on my own um it, it's really turned into a good career for me but the basics haven't changed um the the victim part of it has is completely gone away yeah 
you know what I mean? And, and if I, I think if I need to stress anything to anybody, um, especially anybody that's new in recovery, um, whatever situation that you're in, um, whatever situation you've gotten yourself into, it's your fault. <laughs> and whether you want to believe that or whether you like that, um, that's the truth. And you're the only one that can do anything about it. You have to be willing to reach out for help. You know what I mean? The worst thing in the world for me to ever do was ask somebody else for something. I, I just wanted to be able to do it by myself. You know, I wanted to be able to stop using by myself. I wanted to be able to, to detox by myself. I wanted to be able to get a job by myself. I didn't want to have to, to really depend on anybody else for anything. And so... I, I found later on in my life that that's impossible yeah. for me. You know, I, I have to have help. Um, I have to be honest. Uh, I have to be able to reach out when I'm struggling and tell people, hey, look, I'm in a bad place. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up dead. Um, I'm, I'm not one of those guys that ever use drugs like on the weekends. You know what I mean? I don't know anybody that's a recreational heroin user that does heroin every Saturday and then goes to work on Monday. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what, but I tried. I, I, I really tried to be able to do that. Well, the unmanageability is if I could manage my own way into peace, happiness, and serenity, I would have done it. Right. You know, I would have done it on my own. I wouldn't have needed to ask for help or done anything. I just would have done it. But my experience, my past experience shows me I can't do yeah. it. Yep. Which is why, yeah, asking for help and admitting that I can't do it was the yeah. hardest thing. So, thank, yeah, thanks for talking about that, yeah. too. Yeah, I, I really didn't want to. Um, I don't ever want to wake up in the morning and feel like a victim again. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't want to ever wake up in the morning with with an excuse that, oh, I can't go to work. This job's too hard. I, I, I've been a single parent. You know, I've, I, I got custody of my son when he was about three. And, and I've gotten the opportunity to raise the little boy by myself. And and there's been a lot of times when I've really questioned, um, what am I doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, what am I doing to this poor kid? You know what I mean? But um, on the other side of that, I, I think that it's really taught him a lot of things too, that it's okay for him to ask for help. You know what I mean? It's okay when he struggles to come up and say, hey, Dad, I, I don't feel good. I don't feel right. I don't feel like something's right with me. You know what I mean? And then I have that open line of communication with them. Um, I, I just feel super blessed that um, I don't have to be that victim anymore. I don't, I don't have to. I don't have to have that victim mentality. And then I get up and put in the work every day. You know what I mean? I get up. Uh, I, I read my same literature every morning. Um, I make sure that I'm following the proper protocol of what I've what I've done for the last 15 years. Um, I, I have that morning conversation with my son. I like to have my breakfast, and then I try to get to work first. Um, I like to be prepared for my day. I like to be prepared for my night. You know what I mean? If I could plan out every single step of my day. Um, I would certainly do that. Obviously, that's not really something that that's possible. Mm. Um, but but what I do do is um, is I follow the same things every day, and I put in the work. And that that's sometimes that's the hardest part for me. Sometimes I feel like I'm okay, and, and that those times are are really the scariest times for me. 
or the times when I feel like I got this, those times when I feel like I'm fine. I don't need to do this anymore. I don't need to talk to, to anybody. I don't need to reach out. I don't need to do any of those things because I'm okay. I don't need to be honest with myself. Right. Yeah. Which, which is the hardest thing to do. You know what I mean? I've, I've, I've watched that over and over and over with, with people that I've had in my life. The, the non-committal, it's everybody else's fault. I don't want to tell myself the truth. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it's the most important thing for me every morning is to get up, say that prayer, read my literature, look myself in the mirror and say, hey, who are you? Who are you going to be today? Yeah. Who am I going to be today? That, that very, 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 very much changes on a daily basis. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Some days I feel great. Some days I'm ready to rock and roll. There's some days I just want to stay in bed, but I don't. I get up. I put in the work. I reach out to my friends. I talk to somebody in, in recovery every day, every single day. Um, and, and I really have surrounded myself with people that... Out and that I know care about me. Uh, I've surrounded myself with people that I trust. Um, I, I have an amazing girlfriend who um, we work together as a team. I, it, it's interesting because I went through the same relationship with about 30 different women in my life, but it was the same relationship with every single one of them. And, um, and I struggled with that because it was always their fault. There wasn't anything wrong with me. You know what I mean? There was always something wrong with them. And, and coming to that conclusion and, and, and to that kick in the face of where, you know what, you're having the same relationship over and over and over with all these women, but you're the common denominator and all that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I took a break. Like I took, I took a, like almost a three-year break. I stayed single. I, I worked on myself. I worked on the relationship that I had with my son. I got comfortable being alone, and I think that was the biggest part for me was I could wake up every morning, and I didn't need somebody next to me to validate me. I woke yeah. up every morning by myself, and I was okay to validate myself. That's Because how am I supposed to love other people if I can't even love myself? Right. How am I supposed to give and receive love from somebody else when I have no idea what that means? So that's, that's true. Until I'm able to learn how to be with me how to be alone in my own head. There's no way I'm going to be able to be su successful in any kind of relationship, whether it's romantic, work relations, anything. Right. So that's why I got to get right with me and myself so I can move through life successfully. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's exactly and that's exactly what it was for me. And so, you know, there's there's been a lot of changes in my life recently. Um, you know, moving, um, mixing families. Yeah. Um, but I'm fortunate that I came back to the same spot where I was before because I have the same um, loving community that I had before. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm still surrounded with a lot of people that, that I know um, love and care about me. And, and now I just get to live my life. You know what I mean? And I think that's the most important thing for me is I live my life like a normal person. <laughs> you know, yeah. I get up, I go to work. Uh, I, if the cops pull me over, they pull me over. Yeah. Uh, I don't have to worry about... If they want to search my car, they can search my car. Yeah. Um, I, I go to work every day. I get a consistent paycheck. I pay my bills on time. I do all of those things that normal people do that, that 20 years ago, they seemed so far out of reach. 
they seemed so absolutely unrealistic for a person like me to be able to do that it almost makes it easier for me. <clears throat> Nobody wants to get up in the morning and go to work just because you have to pay your bills. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't, I don't think that's anybody's uh, goal in life is like, I'm going to get up, go to work. I got to make sure these bills are paid. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, but it's a reality of being an adult. And I'm 44 years old now. I'm finally an adult. <laughs> and uh, and that can be very questionable at times some too sometimes too if you talk to my girlfriend and some of the people yeah. that are close to me, you know. So Yeah, but that's um, the, the beauty of recovery though, is like people don't know who I used to be. And I thank I thank God for that. Right. It was so funny. I, I was I, I was sharing my experience somewhere and I was talking about some war story crap that I was doing and I heard someone whisper in the corner, that guy never did that. Like, he doesn't look like he used to do that stuff. Right. My first reaction was, don't you know who I am? Don't right. you know who I used to be? <laughs> but then my the quick reaction right after that thought was, oh, thank God they think that. Right. Like, right. the only way people know who I used to be is if I choose to tell them that. You can't right. You can't look at me and see that. And that's so cool is today you, you live a normal life. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I always get a kick out of... Uh, when I get telling some old war stories with some coworkers and things <laughs> like that, and they they look at me and I don't think they believe me half the time. Oh, good, yeah. You know what I mean? I, think, I don't think they believe me lying. half the time. They're like, "There is no way this guy used to act like that. This guy used to do that kind of stuff." Which is, you know, I get a kick out of it because I'm grateful they don't believe it. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> so I'm grateful cool. that I've changed <laughs> that much that that they that they have a hard time believing that. But I'm also grateful that. I have that experience so that, you know, when my son grows up, if my son goes through any of that stuff, um, I already, already been there. You know what I mean? I already can be an example to him. I already know a way out for him. You know what I mean? And I always, I always will, um, will have that his back and have those suggestions for him on, on, on a way to make it out. Now, whether he takes that or not, you know, it's, it's going to be that accountability thing for him you know what I mean and I and I think if I try to teach that kid and really anybody that I sponsor or any that I, anybody that I work with um you have to be accountable for your actions yeah and that accountability for your actions and that victimless mindset will take you farther than anything else in this world yeah and and I believe that with all of my heart you know what I mean I believe that when you can become accountable for your behavior um and you can own your shit and take responsibility for your shit. You have a better chance of going anywhere than you do when you're when when you're going to be a victim. Hell yeah! So. Well, cool, man. Well, I I appreciate you, man, yeah. t taking time in because I always love just it baffles me every day. You know, just just sitting down talking with people, having the conversation because if we can talk freely about our past, right. hopefully that past doesn't become someone's future. Right, and I love that. So, yeah, absolutely. so thank you so much. Uh, one thing I want to ask everyone is if you could talk to someone who's feeling like they're they're broken right now, what would you tell them? Um, I would tell them there's hope. I would tell yeah. them to get up off of their ass and go find it. <laughs> Amen. There's, there's the situation that you're in right now is your fault. And so go do something about it. Do something about it. I love it, man. Well, well thank you so much uh, again. It just it means the world to to share experience like this. So thanks so much, guys. This is Ian with No One Down on the Once Broken podcast. Once broken doesn't mean still broken.
Now I just want to take a second to give a big shout out to our sponsors. First one being No One Down Apparel and Hope. 20% of everything sold from their stores goes to helping the still suffering. Please check them out. Go ahead and take the time now to like, follow their page, and let's see how we can all work together to keep No One Down. That's www.noonedown.com. You can also find them on Instagram and Facebook at No One Down, all spelled out. Also, here's the big one. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction disorder, please contact the Steps Recovery Center. That's Steps Recovery Center. Their main phone number is 801-465-5111. You can also contact them at their website at stepsrc.com. That's S-T-E-P-S-R-C.com. Addiction is something we should all take extremely serious. So if you or a loved one is struggling with something like that, please contact them immediately. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Let's keep no one down so no one will be. And once broken doesn't mean still broken.